Hey friends, before we hop into this episode of the Lead With People, Not At Them series on the Speak With People podcast, have you heard about the Leadership Collective? This is an absolutely free ebook that's available to you at speakwithpeople.com slash leadwithpeople. This is a leadership companion guide that's just filled with 37 different leadership principles from leaders from around the country who poured out their insights and their wisdom to help all of us grow and become authentic and healthy leaders. Make sure that you go and download the Leadership Collective right now at speakwithpeople.com slash leadwithpeople. And don't just stop there. Send that link to a friend so they can explore and grow in their leadership as well. Thanks. Now for this week's episode of the Speak With People podcast. Welcome to the Speak With People podcast. My name is Jason Rates. I'm excited that you are joining us today. At Speak With People, we believe that healthy communication is oxygen for your relationships and your leadership. So whether you communicate one-on-one, to a team, from a stage, or from a screen, we really hope this time today encourages you, inspires you, challenges you to breathe life into your world with your communication. Uh, before we hop into today's episode, I just wanted to make sure you knew about our coaching programs here at Speak With People. One of the absolute best ways you can invest in your leadership is to invest in growing your communication skills. So again, whether you communicate one-on-one or from a stage, you're doing presentations, we would love to come alongside of you, maybe give you some new tools, help you shape some of the tools that you already have, and guide you to becoming a more confident, clear, and captivating communicator. Just head to speakwithpeople.com slash coaching for all the details, and we would love to talk to you. Well, today I'm so excited about this podcast on the Speak With People uh, podcast. We are kind of diving into the question, how can I be happy? Uh, is happiness even possible? What, what exactly is happiness? Is this just kind of like a fairy tale? Uh, in this episode, we're going to discover how mindfulness can become a powerful tool for unlocking uh, beautiful things of life like joy and gratitude and contentment. And we're so excited that uh, we are joined by an incredible guest who is going to guide us through some uh, wisdom, some of her thoughts and exercises and techniques that's maybe going to shift your perspective, kind of reprioritize kind of different parts of your life, and then you can communicate in a different way. And my hope is we're going to explore happiness-based mindfulness, uh, and you're going to figure out how this is just going to improve your leadership, your life, and your communication. Well, our guest today is just an incredible leader, Dr. Sarah Sport. Her, she's a therapist. She's an adjunct professor. She's an author. Uh, and if I read through all of her degrees, uh, you would just you would love it, uh, which I loved kind of going through each of them. It was uh, just fantastic. We'll talk about that more in a second. But Sarah, welcome to the Speak With People podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, just to kind of give our audience, our listeners a little bit more uh, behind your story, could you just walk us through that? Tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I am a little unusual. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I love it. I yeah, I grew up in uh, Monterey, California, um, and I went to school uh, for my first degree, uh, University of California, Santa Barbara, and I also lived in San Francisco a little bit. But my background is, since I can remember, I, I think probably since I was four or five, I started to notice that people 
didn't seem that happy. Um, wow. I know that might sound strange, but I was a very sensitive kid. I used to cry a lot. I think yeah. I cried every day just because I was so sensitive about everything. Um, but I just noticed so much unhappiness um, in general, everywhere we go, you know, and I also noticed people would tell me stuff like even when I was young and I have a little clipboard out and I write notes and I try to give people advice even when I was like seven and I don't know why people would talk to me but they did <laughs> I guess they thought I could help um kids and adults but um and usually I I did have some kind of response to give but anyways so I remember my I started becoming aware of all the suffering in the world I think when I was like seven or eight um my mom was telling me about the World Vision sponsor a child thing. And I was like, we got to do that. So I, I made her sponsor like three kids. And I started learning about like, all the hunger in the world and all the all the issues. And it was really bothering me. Um, yes, I was a child, but it, it did bother me. Um, and even in high school, I organized this thing. Uh, it was called the 30-hour famine where um, you do 30 hours of fasting and then um you raise money through that and we raised i can't remember how much all together over four years but tens of thousands of dollars hmm. um i know um and i thought okay this is the way to help is and for everyone to be happy is if everyone had enough food everyone hmm. would if everyone had enough we'd all be okay and then <laughs> i learned that's not true um i learned uh it's actually in my phd program my first phd um i learned because for some reason I thought, wow, the people that have PhDs, they must just be so happy. They must just really have figured everything out in right. delusional thinking. But um, I remember looking around and being like, oh my gosh, this is like when I was little and everyone, I could feel everyone being so unhappy around me. I, I could feel the unhappiness. Yeah. And so I originally went into the first doctorate um, focused on hunger and child malnutrition and then uh, in, in developing countries, and I, I switched to mindfulness and to looking at public health um, as a mechanism of improving mindfulness to improve happiness. And I started really diving into this idea of why are people so unhappy? Why are these people that have everything so unhappy? And then I was reflecting on it in general thinking, wow, well, this is, this is a problem that's being ignored mm. um and be, yeah it was before it was also right before the phd i had done this project I, i've also worked in other countries um and one of the projects i worked on was uh with freedom from hunger uh was the organization and um i did a focus group it was one of the things i did but it was a focus group with these um women in mali for this program to help them they were really impoverished, really bad off, um, help them start their own businesses and so that they could have a better life and help their communities and families. I remember in this focus group, it was really strange because I thought we were going to be talking about hunger and money and that they were talking about happiness mm. and on their own. And they were telling me, you know, the people that eat three times a day and they eat vegetables and meat every day and rice, they're the happy ones. And the people that um, eat, you know, two times a day and, and they don't really have meat, they're less happy. And us, we only eat once a day and we eat, you know, 
millet and grains and, and we don't have enough food, so we're unhappy. And, and I remember thinking, huh, I know a lot of people that eat meat and have vegetables and rice and they eat three times a day and they're, they're way more miserable <laughs> than these people. Right. <laughs> so I was thinking something's going on here that is um, worth looking at. And yeah, so it's a long story, but essentially that was sort of the major beginning of my obsession with this uh, wow. and the things that I kind of figured out. Wow. Wow. That's absolutely incredible. And, you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's not often that I interview people who say, and, and I'm not saying this to embarrass you. I just think it's incredible. When I worked on my first PhD, you know, I, I, I absolutely love that. I love that you, you know, are passionate about that and you've gone, you've gone after it. That's just incredible. Yeah. Well, I, um, I, I get very, it matters to me. It really matters to me how, you know, I can't, fix the world or anything like that, but all the pain there is. And so yes. I just feel like there's still so much we don't know. And really by the end of the first PhD, really what I learned was how much we don't know. Mm. And um, that was an interesting experience. Other people, maybe their takeaway was different, but it was really the beginning of me understanding, wow, the, the more you learn, the more you learn, there, the more there is to learn. <laughs> so. Yes. <laughs> That's incredible. And it's just so true. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here, you know, in 2023 and we have internet and we have air conditioning and we have TVs in multiple rooms and yet we can still find reasons to not be happy, to not be content, you know, to, to be worried about other things. And it's, you know, I've had some of those moments probably like you have where I've been on trips in other parts of the world in third world countries. And, you know, you start, uh, last year I spent uh, 10 or so days in the DR, and I mean, it was just amazing, you know, by the end of the trip, you're like, oh, that's right. I'm going to go home to warm, sh you know, hot showers. Like I haven't had a hot shower in, you know, forever. Uh, and so it's just, you know, that's how you look at things is so, is so important. So I, that's why I'm so excited to dive into this and hear so much of your research and journey because uh, it's just so, so valuable. So it sounds like some of those, those uh, early childhood memories and some of those trips maybe is kind of what started this journey for you. Is there anything along the way that you discovered that you went, okay, I've got to really dive into this research to help people, you know, with mindfulness and happiness? Yeah, well, um, not to go into too much, uh, but my family, there's been also a lot of um, addiction issues. Mm. And that one person in particular I've been very close to, um, it practically, I don't say ruined me, but almost broke me. I was so around the same time as a PhD when I decided to change. Um, it really broke my heart, the whole thing. And I just mm. was like, well, how does this happen? And our epidemic in our country of the addiction stuff, um, which has really gotten so bad um, and people just using pills and substances and anything they can always on the outside um, and also the other thing I've seen is the self-hatred in our society Ooh. that I didn't encounter in other countries to the same level is so toxic. It's just so awful. And I see it with so many clients. And if there's one thing I could cure for people, it would be to start loving themselves and to understand that their self-hatred, their self-criticism, their self, you know, the comparing, thinking they're failing 
it's a program they learned from our society. It's not a real thing. And it's a fantastic way to push everyone to buy, 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 yep. and to feel constantly inadequate, constantly bad. Um, and there's really not a push that I've been seeing so far, although maybe that will change, to really be your authentic self, to be you, that you are beautiful as you are. And mm. what does that even mean? A lot of people yeah. have no idea what that means. I, I find that when I talk to people about self-love, they have no idea what I'm talking about. But if I say, okay, well, think about something bad about yourself. That's easy. Right. Think about, <laughs> think <laughs> about, you know, how, how to love yourself more. They're like, what does that mean? Um, and this comparison situation we have um, is really breeding ground actually for narcissism, personality disorders, addiction, shame. What it does is it increases people's shame and that increases their destructive behaviors and then they want more things to feel better and it keeps you chasing on the outside wow. without turning towards within and being like, what is going on here? Wow. And we're exposed to, I can't remember the number, but I know it's like an obscene amount of advertisements every day in our country. Right. We don't even know it. It's very subconscious. It's almost like we're being... I don't say hypnotized, but we're being yeah. affected unconsciously by a lot of messaging. Um, you know, this isn't good enough. Buy this. This isn't good enough. You need to do this. Right. And that's why, even with my degrees, I do them for me because I, I feel this calling towards it. And I love it. Um, but it's not for everyone. You know, it, the way that school is set up now is really not for everyone. Um, and there's certain things that I am definitely deficient in. So, you know, we have our strengths and weaknesses and yeah. um, we're, we're all unique. And um, anyways, I feel like I'm going off here. So, yeah, <laughs> to go back for a second, do you think that – uh, specifically Americans struggle with this self-hate so much more than some other countries because maybe we are exposed, you know, to more technology or more things or, you know, or is it in, in the more, you know, technology-based uh, countries because we have all this, you know, exposure to it, the self-hate, you know, we're not, you know, we're comparing ourselves all the time. It just starts to ramp more and more up. Yeah. So um, I think both. I think it's a bit of our culture. Um, and I say this with love. I love my country, but we, we have a lot of, we have a lot of sickness, like mental, mental sickness with the programming. Yes. Yeah. Um, I know we feel that we're special. We're a superpower, you know, America's great, but then we also feel like we have to be striving and we have to prove we're great. We have to prove we're right. special. Um, so we have that inherent within us, I think that that's sort of underlying in our culture, but then you add on top of it, the fact that it's fairly capitalistic, which there's good and bad to that. You know, everything right. is a mix of good and bad. Um, but the way it seems to be designed is when we feel bad about ourselves, profits go up because then we, we want to buy stuff to fill the void. To fill that, you know, I think some of the biggest things I come across is people feeling empty, there's a void, there's something missing, they feel lonely, they're disconnected. I'll go buy something. I'll go do something. I'll go spend money on something. And or I'll go make something about myself better, like how I look with, you know, whatever injections. Um, as opposed to just looking at why do I feel empty? Why do I feel mm. disconnected? Yeah. Where is this coming from? 
Yeah. Um, so, and actually there's, um, I encourage everyone to look at the world happiness reports. There's, uh, it's really cool. There's something on there about, uh, I think it's 2018 edition American unhappiness, but, um, we are actually experiencing according to this report and what I've seen, um, a social deterioration that is hurting our wow. society, wow. uh, of loneliness and, and these other kinds of things. Wow. So when it comes to being happy, like the question, how can I be happy? Like, is this like a good starting point, you know, for seeking some of this kind of happiness based mindfulness? Because uh, sometimes people like I, I can already hear like my grandma's voice going, you don't need to be happy. You know, you don't need to be happy. But like, is this is a good place to start. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My my grandma, one of them, she was German and um, she was tough lady and yes. happiness was not a thing. Happiness was not a thing. <laughs> no, she used to say, you got to beat him to the draw. Like you gotta, you gotta get there first. You gotta yes. take it and get it. <laughs> so yeah, this, this idea is very counter to past things and you could say it's a luxury, but I don't think it's a luxury. I actually think mm. it needs to be more incorporated. Um, cause when you're happier, you function at a way higher level. Mm. Um, with school, for example, I just know for me, the more I worked on my happiness and my mindfulness, the more it's easy, the easier it becomes with school. I learn much easier when yep. you're afraid, when you're stressed, you shut down, you close off, you can't remember, yep. you get distracted. Um, when you're happy, you perform better with work. You, you can give more, you're nicer. It just, it improves everything. So what does this mean? How do you get there? It's a, for better or worse, it depends on where the person's at. So first we have to kind of figure out the person's individual level of happiness. Um, unfortunately, by the time people come to therapy, they're usually extremely depressed or even suicidally depressed. It's, it's like they've, it's like not going to the dentist for 20 years or, or 30 years, you know, it's, right. it's been neglected this whole time where the tools they've been using haven't been, haven't been the right tools. So you have to meet people with where they're at is number one. Um, the first step to that though, is people even knowing where they're at, mm. which you'd be surprised how many people are in denial about their situation. Yeah. And they just think, well, but if I just get this, if I just get this, then that right. will fix it. It's like, yeah, but you've been doing this for 40 or 50 years and you still haven't got there. Like, what about just stopping <laughs> and right. addressing it? So, I say number one is noticing where you're at, yeah. um, acknowledging what is going on with you. Second, and this is, um, so I, I made this program, it's called Happiness Based Mindfulness Program. Um, I'm going to be launching the uh, the first preliminary draft of it, hopefully this week. Um, mm. But anyways, the first part of that is called Trapped in Loops and Cycles, and it's about trying to understand where you're stuck, where you feel trapped, where you're kind of in a loop or a cycle, a pattern that you don't seem to be able to get out of in your life. And the important thing with that is um, uh, people tend to be cyclical. If you don't become aware of your patterns and cycles, you're kind of doomed to keep being stuck in them. Right. Uh, and this is a hard one because it also takes a little bit of accountability. It takes a little bit of acknowledgement that your way of doing things maybe hasn't been working. And, um, in some religions, actually, um, I know there's beliefs that hell is not 
that's fire brimstone, it's um, being stuck, being trapped. Mm. So that's the first part. Wow. Um, yeah. And then from there, um, working to see patterns, working to figure out your beliefs and living more authentically um, are, are components of it. Um, but happiness is relative is yeah. another part of this. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's so good. I was just thinking like it, that's so true because we get so trapped in those same cycles and we wake up and it is. 20, 30 years, you know, later. And we're like, well, it's never going to change. You know, I can't ever, I ever change it. So having the courage and the strength to go, okay, I've got to recognize what is, you know, I mean, that's, that's so important. I, I, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you're right. People feel if they acknowledge it, although I find right. that when people are so overwhelmed, they won't even acknowledge, they will be more quick to blame and say, well, it's this person's fault, or this is the reason this is it. Cause they're so up. It's so painful to be like, yep. Oh my gosh, this has been going on my whole life. Yep. So it takes a lot of courage to admit, yep, this is a problem. I need to change. Yep. That's number one is it takes courage yep. and our, our brains are actually wired for survival, which largely means doing what's familiar, mm. not so much for being happy. So we're actually kind of going against our, our biology, you could argue. Ah. So change, yeah. So change, I find, is most likely to happen when we can be very gentle with ourselves and go very slow. Some people are so ready for change, they make these big, bold things really quick. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And they said, yeah, but I've been needing to do this for 20 years. So right. <laughs> they're, they're, they're ready. But um, a lot of people, though, we have to do kind of like baby steps, like, okay, yeah. today, what can you do? Like, let's say they struggle with, I don't know, being very unhappy about their physical health. We look at baby steps every day. To sh it's like a massive, huge ship. And we're just like, we got to mm. ch change the course a little bit. So we look at small baby steps of how to change. And... Part of it's taking responsibility and responsibility doesn't mean it's your fault you're unhappy. It right. means, okay, what do I need to take responsibility for in my life that I can work on about my inner emotional state? Mm. Um, and the other thing that I, um, uh, I made, which seems to really help people. It's so basic too, but I'm like, wow, this is great. <laughs> I made this, <laughs> so I'm like, it's simple, but it works. I made this um, chart. It has three levels to it. The The bottom level is I made, I called it the red zone. Um, it's color red and it's labeled destructive emotions. And it's all those painful, bad emotions mm. that we get trapped in. And then the second level is, uh, or the second part is um, I call the green zone and I call it the relief zone. Um, and those are emotions that they're not like, you know, you're not flying high, but you're feeling, you're feeling relief from the pain. Yeah. You're feeling neutral or more positive and you're more empowered. You're feeling stronger. And then the top part is the blue zone. And I call those the uplifting and lightening emotions. Um, those are things like, by the way, some people tell me they've never experienced, um, like joy, compassion, empathy, right. uh, peace. And you'd be surprised how many people 
they don't know what that means. Not really. Wow. And so we work from, from that. And I've seen just by noticing where you are in the scale every day, it starts to shift it. Wow. Wow. Yeah, just even putting that focus into it or just that a little bit of investment. It's something because mm -hmm. I, I imagine and I know this to be true in my life. You know, I get to that uh, where the pain has just pounded and pounded on even those tiny little changes, I'm like, ah, it won't do anything, you know, so why keep going? But as you were talking about this, and this is so helpful, I was just thinking to me, you know, about how so many folks, it's like we help, we help push each other down. You know, I, I can't remember the old illustration about uh, putting um, what type of animal in a bucket, but, you know, they, they don't help each other out. They just kind of help pulling each other down. And we do that all the time. You know, we, we, I think we're in a deficit with encouragement in our world. And why is it that, you know, so often our thought is like, well, that could be better or that instead of just encouraging somebody, you know, helping them get in that blue zone would be so important. It would be. And there's, um, yeah, different reasons for that. And you're right. It, it's, it's a problem. It is partly a cultural thing. Hmm. And it's a misunderstanding of what it takes to be successful. And quite honestly, it's actually a little bit characteristic of some narcissism. Mm. So if a couple of things, if you have, let's say, a bit of an ego, you're a bit focused on yourself, and then you also don't feel very good about yourself for whatever reason. And sometimes people's reasons for not feeling good about themselves don't, they don't really make any sense. They're not even good reasons. It's just, right. they don't feel good. Right. If you see someone else that you think is higher than you, well, if you don't feel like you have the ability to get higher, then you bring them down. That makes you feel better, right. which is a type of abuse actually. Um, and it's not going to help you feel good about yourself either. If you're abusing people, bringing them down, um, cause you don't feel strong enough to pull yourself up. Well, that's only going to add to your shame, add to your low self-esteem. Um, cause on some level, you know, you're hurting someone else. And the reason it's also bad is it hurts the whole system. So we are actually all, even though we can't see it, even though we're separate bodies, we're all interconnected. So what we do, like people like to think, especially in our society, you know, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Like I did it all on my own. It's like, well, just to do this podcast right now, if you have to think about all the people we've relied on to get here, I don't even know how many we'd be looking at, right. you know, between the internet, electricity, you know, making clothes, my education. I mean, all of it, we, we're all very interconnected. And yeah. so we actually feel better about ourselves when we can be good and kind to others even it actually builds our self-esteem. So yeah. if you do things like volunteering, if you can give back, even if you feel threatened by someone, if you can try to be nice to them, it yes. builds your self-esteem up. And a better approach I found is ask the person, <laughs> how yes. did you get where, how did you get this way? What, what did you do? Yes. Learn, open your mind to be humble enough to learn. Wow, that's so good. And these these things will, I mean, uh, help reduce stress, you know, boost our resilience, you know, and it really will contribute to our overall well-being. 
And it's just so important for us to take those steps forward. What advice would you give, you know, the person that's like, okay, I need to start moving forward with this stuff. You know, what, what could they do today to take those steps towards mindfulness? Yeah. So I would say, um, I think the stuff I came up with would be helpful, but just you doing it on your own, I would track it, start tracking how Mm. happy you are every day. It sounds so simple, but honestly, a lot of stuff that works is really simple. I would say every day from one to 10, 10 being the most happy, one being the least track, how happy you are. Mm. Try to be honest with yourself though, because it's not always easy to be honest. Um, and if you can't, if you can't be honest about that, you can ask yourself how unhappy you are from one to 10, 10 being the most, one being the least. Um, so something in our society that's interesting is this idea that we have to do, we have to do actions to make changes. But actually, if we think of all of this as like a pattern, a habit and energy momentum by noticing you're, you're shifting the momentum, you're slowing the pattern down. Mm. So it actually changes it just by being a detached observer and noticing. Yeah. Um, so that's what I would say is start by tracking every day, non-judgmentally with kindness and love for yourself, if you can, or compassion, just track every day. Yeah. Boy, that's good. Boy, that's good. So helpful. Uh, and, and we could, <laughs> I feel like we've scratched the surface and I can already see, you know, what the, the, the second podcast will be, uh, the, when, when we have you back, because this is this is so powerful. Uh, let's do this because I want to we kind of keep it to a certain amount of time and you've already given us so much to think about. Uh, uh, why don't we move on to kind of getting to know you more as, uh, you know, who you are. And so we do this, you know, each week with our our guests. And so I ask you some rapid fire questions. And so our listeners can kind of kind of keep getting to know you. But uh, okay. We talk about speaking a lot on this podcast, communicating. Do you have a favorite communicator, whether a speaker or an artist or someone that you're like, oh, I just, I could listen to them forever? It's a good question. Um, I, I like Eckhart Tolle. I don't know if he's a, I like him because I feel like he communicates with his presence. Mm. Um, and so just listening to him, it kind of slows you down and helps you to reflect. So uh, I would say someone like Eckhart Tolle. I love it. I love it. Uh, okay, so you spent a considerable amount of your life in California. Do you have a favorite spot that you lived or a favorite spot that you went to just, oh, this place just inspires me. Just, I just love it. Yeah, actually. Um, so, yeah, because I, I went to college for my undergrad at um, – University of California, Santa Barbara, which I loved. Mm. It was so fantastic. Uh, I did the global studies program there. Uh, like 45 minutes south of there is a place called Summerland. Mm. <laughs> I like that place. <laughs> it's really cool because you're away from the feeling of any crowdedness and it's small and peaceful and there's the beach and there's some cool coffee shops and you can walk around. Oh, nice. So yeah, I'd say Summerland. I really I liked it. Okay. Last question. Is there a book that you would recommend either on this topic or, you know, one that would just really breathe life uh, into uh, our listeners? Yeah, that is a good question. Um, I'm tempted to mention my book. Um, I I published a book recently. Um, I would say 
Hmm. Let me think about this. Yes. Uh, there's a book called Mindful Self-Compassion. Hmm. I like that a lot. Um, I'm trying to remember the author. She's so good. Kristen Neff. Kristen Neff. Mindful Self-Compassion. And then I wrote a book uh, that I published called You Are Love. You Are Love. I love it. Well, what we do, what I love to do is uh, we love to go and I'll grab a couple of uh, copies of it. And we have a, a Facebook community group for the different, you know, folks, uh, leaders who are part of the Speak community. So we'll do some giveaways inside of that with your book because we'd love to promote it as much as we can. Because even from the podcast today, I like I can't wait to order and get it so I can start to uh, I can start to go through it before I let you go. Where can we where can we point our listeners to find you online and all that information? Yeah, um, my website, www.drsarahspower.com. And I'm in the process of launching um, the Happiness Learned website, and that will be ready uh, later in October. Awesome. Well, we'll put that in uh, our Facebook group and on the podcast and the show notes and, and all that kind of stuff. I just can't thank you enough for pouring out your wisdom for being so vulnerable and, and sharing such great insights with us. Just thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. Absolutely. And thank you to all of our listeners. We so appreciate you being a part of the Speak of People podcast week in, week out. Just to remember, one of the best things you can do to show support for the Speak of People podcast is to give us a like, share it, or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, those kind of things are just incredible. Again, hopefully you've been challenged, encouraged to elevate the practice and the importance of healthy communication in your life. My hope is that today's podcast will encourage you to speak with people and not at them. Thank you again for listening today and can't wait to be with you. Next.